Uh, that's the same crowd that did throw funny. an alcoholic beverage on me. So it was a great night. That's fun. <laughs> it was a great night. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Welcome back on a Monday. We're live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play -play alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. It is now our pleasure to welcome in from CBS Sports, college football basketball insider Dennis Dodd. Dennis, we just finished up the Big 12 spring meetings, heard a ton from Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark. And Jeremy and I were discussing, did we learn anything new? Didn't feel like there was anything earth-shattering, but from your perspective, did you feel like you learned anything new or something that really caught your attention from Commissioner Yormark's words? Well, I know that behind the scenes, they were updated on the Colorado pursuit, uh, the interest in Gonzaga and Connecticut, both in basketball. Um, they're going to launch you know, next year these marketing opportunities with Rucker Park and basketball exhibition games. Uh, they developed their own commercial sponsorship division for whatever that's worth. But, yeah, there was a lot discussed in Greenbrier in West Virginia. By the way, Greenbrier uh, has a bit of Western flair to it. It is a resort that goes back to the 1700s, the Revolutionary War, mm. where if you go on a hike there, it's almost like Denver. you, you got a little oxygen problem. So it's a different look for the Big 12. I'll have to ask my sister who lives in West Virginia about that. The Greenbrier is where they uh, hung out, which is, which is awesome. Okay, so regarding all of that information, it, do you feel like we're just waiting on the Pac-12 TV deal and then if there are some disgruntled teams that perhaps want to leave, they go to the Big 12 and then these basketball-ish schools come into the conversation? Or what's the order, in your opinion, of events potentially here? Basketball is front burner right now because uh, – Big 12 runs the danger if they get too cozy with uh, with some of these talks with Pac-12 schools. They could be sued for torturous interference of an, of an existing conference, and you can argue that ha that could happen in basketball as well. But uh, I think Gonzaga's got options. I don't know if their buyout is that much uh, in the West Coast. I do know that Connecticut has a significant buyout. Uh, if they leave the Big East, now maybe that could be finance. It has been done before. But uh, I, I think football, as you just mentioned, um, I think they, like the Pac-12 members, are just waiting to see what the offer is, not offer, but the contract that uh, George Klyavkov lands before there's any move. I don't, I don't think there's any move they can make until that comes about. And I do think that will come about. I just don't know exactly what it will look like. The legalese of the day is torturous interference, which is the best phrase I've heard in my entire life. That's awesome. Do you feel like that could actually go down? Because it, feel, it feels like uh, perhaps that's happened in the past with other schools, but no one's actually done it, right? Oh, it's what, that term? Yeah, that's been thrown around a lot, especially in the early days of this round of realignment, which sort of began in December of 2009, when then Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney sent out this cryptic note that said, we are basically open for business and uh, how about that? Uh, what is it, 14 years later? That's exactly what Brent Dormark said when he took office in August. Um, and back then, uh, the Big Ten quickly added Nebraska, followed by Missouri. Uh, I'm sorry, by, by Nebraska. And Missouri, A&M, and Colorado went elsewhere as well. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think they've got to tiptoe around that. Uh, there was a lot of legalese back then, a lot of negotiation for buyouts. But I think teams in this day and age have become more, I guess, cautious about that. I mean, I thought, look, in my story that I wrote last week about Colorado, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway was two things, that Rick George actually responded to my request for comment and, and said the same thing that he told, I think, buffzone.com, that uh, Colorado is a big, you know, is a proud Pac-12 member, but has to, you know, look for its opportunities. Um, I think that tells you a lot. And look, number two is that they, they are doing their due diligence. Uh, they are deciding between the Big 12 and Pac-12. And I do know for a fact that Dion is way down the line with this. He really supports it. I'm not saying it'll happen, but he supports the move because uh, ostensibly it gets BYU, I'm sorry, gets uh, Colorado back into Texas and Florida and recruiting, which he loves for rebuilding that program. Longtime college football writer and insider Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports is on BYU Sports Nation. Do you think straight up that Colorado is the most likely front runner to start potential dominoes falling in another, I guess, addition of realignment? Based on my reporting, I think Colorado and Arizona are the two most likely. Again, not not saying it will happen because there's no certainty to it because we don't know what the Pac-12 uh, contract is going to be. But I think those two, I think philosophically, Brett Yormark thinks if he gets one, there'll be a domino effect. Uh, whether there is or not is, is another subject, but I think if he gets one, that creates doubt in others. You go for the sure thing, which at least for the next seven years is the Big 12 at that number, 31.7 million. Uh, it's written into the contract that any Power 5 that joins would get pro rata, which means the same as the other members. So, you know, do you take that with a chance for growth maybe in the, in the Big 12? They add basketball and maybe some more members um, with this, you know, this marketing plan that Brent Yormark has to get into the Northeast Corridor. That's what UConn is all about. Um, already in New York with, uh, as I mentioned, the, the exhibition games and basketball. I think there's a possibility there where they can play you know, create some sort of tournament in Madison Square Garden. Not the Big 12 tournament. They're committed to Kansas City on that. Um, and, and build a coast-to-coast -coast league. I mean, that's been his, uh, you know, his desire from the beginning. If that's the case, I suppose they could just go out and get UConn and Gonzaga and you form this men's basketball powerhouse, which it already is. Is there something to what he's saying in terms of, hey, we could decouple our men's basketball rights in 2031 with ESPN and Fox, and we could sell this as another thing. It's not going to be football money, but is there something to this? Because it feels like he's on to something. Well, there'd be more combined money for the league. Excuse me, I got a little battery here. Um, there'd be more combined money for the league. Now, there are those that disagree with his vision. He thinks that basketball in general is undervalued in the media landscape that when streaming hits, there'll be a lot more demand for these college basketball games. Um, and part of his dream is to separate football and basketball in separate contracts. The thing with that is it's not going to happen anytime soon. It's going to happen in seven years when the current deal is up. Um, you can't ask ESPN and Fox to reopen a deal. You just sign with them to do that. That's not going to happen to, to that point. Then if Gonzaga joins, that money would have to come from within, based on my reporting. It would have to come from existing Big 12 funds, whether that's each school giving up a piece to divide it, you know, a 13th way, or, um, you know, money that they've got from Texas and Oklahoma 
as you guys remember in that buyout, that hundred million just sitting there, uh, that goes to them. So uh, that just becomes a you know a, a situation where what is Gonzaga's valuation in as basketball only member of Big Twelve? And I'm kind of writing about that today. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports is on BYU Sports Nation. Dennis, you mentioned the substantive talks that the Big 12 and Colorado have been in and then brought up, hey, it could get weird if the Pac-12 feels like there is interference, torturous interference. So how does the Big 12 stay out of trouble that way? Is, is it something that Rick George and Colorado have to push forward and then the Big 12 talks to them when, when Colorado reaches out? How do they get around that? Yeah, I'm no lawyer, but, you know, look, you, you can meet with anyone. Um, you know, uh, it's up to bring up to their lawyers, the Pac-12 lawyers, to file suit. But you can meet with anyone about anything. Uh, Colorado has a, con- well, a media rights contract with the Pac-12 until July 1st, 2024. Uh, but they have to look out for their best interests. You know, Brett Yormark's been pretty... I guess out there saying, you know, what the interest of the league is and what his interests are. So I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try to parse uh, legalese, but <laughs> I think it's one thing they have to watch out for. And so far they've done it. I feel like the Pac-12 lawyers are busy with uh, Comcast money and uh, office space yeah. in San Francisco. They like they got a lot going on right now. Did want to ask you about the, uh, the competition known as football uh, in the Big 12. What do you feel like it's going to be in the last year of the Big 12 proper with Texas and Oklahoma? Oh, I think it's going to be fascinating. I think Texas is going to be favored, but there's an asterisk there and a caution. You know, they've been favored in this league for multiple years since they last won their conference title in 2009 and went to the national championship game. So that's my word of caution. I have people asking me who I think will win the, win the, uh, win the Big 12 this year with 14 teams. And I say, I can't pick Texas because they haven't fulfilled that promise. We've asked for years if Texas is back. Until they actually do it, I can't pick them. The issue is, who do you pick? I mean, this is a league going forward that has to not, you know, runs the danger of becoming what the Pac-12 has become in that everybody, there's so much parity that everybody by November 1st has two losses. You don't want that to happen. Yes, there'll be more access uh, in, the, in the expanded playoff, but that that thing in general is definitely a negative. Uh, you've got to have one or two powers, in my opinion. And then the question becomes, without Texas and Oklahoma, who are those powers? Is it yeah. Kansas State, the champion, BYU, Oklahoma State? Uh, what about UCF and them coming in? Cincinnati's been to the playoff. And TCU just played for the national championships. So there's a lot of quality there, but I think you need one or two to really lead the way. The word is parody for sure. Dennis, we appreciate your always valuable insights into a broad range of topics. BYU fans uh, definitely want to cling on to basically anything you write. So for those listening and watching, how do they find more of your material right now? Uh, it's really cbssports.com. Our uh, streaming service is free 24-7 CBS Sports HQ. And that uh, thing goes live on uh, CBS Sports Network from... I guess mountain time, one to four every day. So I advise people to watch that as well. Outstanding. Uh, when does your legalese book come out, by the way? Yeah, no, don't worry about that. My law school education severely lacking. <laughs> uh, you're always uh, very humble. Dennis, thanks for the time. Great to talk with you. 
You bet. Thanks, guys. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports back on BYU Sports Nation. He's in it. He's in the Pac-12 nitty-gritty. He's in the Big 12 expansion talks. Nationwide is oh. on your side. Uh, torturous <laughs> interference. <laughs> torturous interference is the phrase. That, that was the that phrase. I learned if there, there was yeah. a title for the show today, it, it would, would be, be that. torturous it interference. But we're more about SEO now, so we're not on that. Torturous. Hey, if you missed any interviews, Deep Blues shows, torturous interference games, you can find them on BYUSN.com or download the free BYU TV app to get all of your BYU TV sports. Content on demand. Jeremy, it's June 5th. It is? You know what that means. I bowl don't. projections continue to roll in, baby. Oh, bowl Jamiava for the score. Where's the latest bowl projection for the Cougars? I hate it. Is it better than the Independence Bowl? I hate it. This is BYU Sports It's the worst. I don't know why we're bringing it up. <laughs> that was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on a busy Monday. It is June 5th alongside Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton. Spill time to BYU to the Big 12. BYU football <laughs> has amassed a bevy of unforgettable, incredible wins in its 100-year history. But which of those victories is the <laughs> best of the best? Now, hold on. I'm a stickler for this stuff. BYU has has over 100 years of football. Okay. Because they started in 22. But they took a few years off. Don't know if you heard of it uh, for a world Uh war. Okay. But this is the 100th season of BYU football. Okay. Okay. There was no celebration of 100 years two years ago. Didn't care. So 99 seasons have been completed. This is the 100th season. It took 100 seasons to get into a Power 5 conference. That's all it took. That's all it took. Lavelle, we thank you. All right, over the previous 99 seasons, there we go. Technically speaking, yes. We would like you to help us determine which is the best win in those 99 Ooh, seasons. Juicy. Man, it took a long time and a lot of back and forth, a lot of discussion to come up with the initial list of great games and so then many great seeding wins. them. Oh, oh my goodness. What a process. Yeah, it was a process. Uh, so it's time. We have seeded 16 different games to determine the best win in BYU football history. Each day, we will present the matchup of the day. (laughs) We'll set up why each win is up for debate as the best win. And then you choose. You decide this. Going to BYU Sports Nation's Twitter account where you can vote. Mm -hmm. Following day, we will reveal the results, update the bracket, and introduce the next matchup of the day. A.K.A. this will take us up to July 1st. Oh, yes, it will. Right into Big 12 play. Okay, so What are you guys doing, June? Our best best wins bracket. bracket. Uh, The number one seed, not surprisingly... Miami, baby, that's the, the best win. It better win this thing. Over number one Miami in Ooh. 1990. But it takes on the 2015 Miracle at Memorial, Mangum to Matthews. That is a juicy 116. Oh, my goodness. UMBC that's Virginia U- type yes. vibes here. Yes, for sure. That is our first matchup. It will take on the winner of the 8 seed and the 9 seed, which are the 1983 Holiday Bowl win, Steve mm-hmm. Young from Eddie Stinnett. Yep. And the 2009 Hall Oh, that's a good one, to too. George 
Overtime. In overtime. Okay, next one. Five seed Kansas State. That's the Cotton Bowl in the 1996 season. The only New Year's Day game BYU's ever played against uh-huh. Wisconsin in 2018. Oh, I feel like the Cotton Bowl is going to win easily here, but that win in 2018 was awesome. That was okay. against number six Wisconsin. Yeah, they were in five that later there. Uh, four seed Utah. Great win, though. Four seed Utah 06. Back to Harlan. Four seed? <laughs> Versus 13 seed Pitt 84. That is the first live college football game on ESPN. It launched the national championship campaign. Pitt goes 37 and 1 that year. Like, that was an important win in BYU history. That's a juicy one, too, right there, man. Yes, it is. A 413. That's like, uh, you you know, San Diego State taking on Creighton or something. Yeah. (laughs) In the tourney. Oh, I guess they played in the Elite Eight, but there you go. All right. The next set of matchups. Juicy. Two seed. BYU beating Michigan in the 1984 Holiday Bowl. Taking on Lavelle Edwards and BYU winning against Lou Holtz in South Bend in 1994. 21-14 road victory in South Bend. A freshman Kalani Satake blocking in that game. These brands that BYU has beaten. Yeah, dog. I love it. Okay. So the winner of those two will take on the seven seed Oklahoma in 2009. Seven seed? <laughs> That's such a great win. Wow, there's so many good wins. And 2013, Taysom Hill runs for 259 yards. BYU goes for 550. They fire a Texas coach the next day as the Cougars trounce the Longhorns in Provo, and then we say, get out of the Big Twelve that's in a year. Oklahoma and Texas. I, that's a that's a nice yes. matchup. Six seed Utah, twenty twenty one. The streak ends. Oh, against the eleven seed Utah, two thousand one. <laughs> oh, Utah versus Utah crime here. I love the 0-1 game. Oh, I love the O one game. So yeah, Doman to Staley against the streak buster. How do you have a boundary option play that works? That's how good Doman and Staley were. Three seed, and last but not least, three seed SMU. The Miracle Bowl in 1980. Three seed. Three seed. Wow. <laughs> against Lavelle's. Last Miracle. Last Miracle. It's the Battle of the Miracles, Jeremy. <gasps> it's the Miracle Bowl against Lavelle's there Last Miracle. There can be miracles, Whitney yes. Houston, Mariah Carey. This there, is a tremendous oh. matchup of a 314. Yeah. Well, we I, put a lot of thought into these. Well, you guys did. I didn't really participate. <laughs> I'm excited about this, though. <laughs> I opted out. I looked at the text and went, that's cool. This is going to be fun, man. I love this. Okay, so we've got the bracket revealed. Let's dive into the first matchup. Miami versus Nebraska, 1 versus 16. So the one seed Miami. A couple of game notes on this one. Music video, hit it. What a play by Ty Bentler. Hill has a man. Bounces out of the pocket. Waiting, waiting. Here's the pass. Touchdown. Tanner Mangum, true freshman. And caught! Touchdown! Looking, looking. Well, he's still scrambling. He's gonna now he throws it. Touchdown! Biggest game in the history of BYU football. That's a more nasally Blaine Fowler uh, back in the day. Much younger Blaine. Yeah, Fowler. yeah, exactly. We were all more nasally when we were younger. Uh, later, I'll speak like this. Okay, a 90 against Miami. Obviously, reigning champs, number one team in the uh, Hurricanes. BYU's ranked 16th. 13 and a half point dog. BYU had beaten UTEP the week before. BYU trailed 21-20 in this game. Ty Detmer, perhaps, perhaps the most iconic play of his career, avoids two rushers who collide, finds Mike Salito, third TD pass this of the game. This won him the Heisman. Yes, absolutely. He still had work to do after this, but it got him on the map, and it was the Heisman moment early in the season, right? Irvin Lee, 
intercepts Craig Erickson in the end zone, breaks up a pass on fourth down. I believe Irvin Lee was a freshman in this game. Get out of here! BYU wins 28-21. Miami finishes the season ranked third. That is the best win of ranked at the time and final rank in BYU history. To me, undoubtedly, this is the best win in BYU history. Mm. I think this game should win this whole thing. That's why it's the number one seed. Mm -hmm. Matched up with the UMBC (laughs) in our bracket. (laughs) The number 16 seed, 2015 Nebraska, the Woo. miracle at Memorial. Nebraska had won 30 straight I hate watching home this play. season openers. That's, Taysom Hill. That's the play I heard it oh, Season-ending injury with the Liz Frank. That brings in the freshman Tanner Mangum. All he does is find Mitch Matthews on the final play of the game. Elite play. 42 yards away to win it. Amazing. Oh, H- my hug, goodness. Hug the ref, Taron Houck. Hug him. So BYU snaps the home opening streak for Nebraska. Huge win. Stole the college football weekend with dramatics. Tanner Mangum's featured all over ESPN. And then they go and beat Boise State after. There was so much emotion in this game because of Taysom Hill's injury and then the freshman Mangum coming in to do what he did. The walk-off, amazing call by Sean McDonough on ABC. Oh, just, Down to the goal line! Oh, yeah, it was so, like a horse so race. So good. Awesome, all right. You vote, vote on Twitter. You vote on Twitter. Our first matchup, the number one seed versus the number 16 seed, Miami in 1990 against 2015's victory, the Manga Miracle at Nebraska. Okay, the tweet's not out, but as soon as it is, go vote. Okay, speaking of great wins, this Friday we look back at BYU's 2019 overtime football win against Keaton Slovis in USC with Zach Wilson, Kalani Sataki, and others. Noon Eastern Friday on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Our Rise and Shout Out up next. Stay with us for more BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media. Content throughout the day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. If only you could see what happened during the <laughs> Welcome back to Studio B. Only we had cameras and microphones, Spencer. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Just opining on my experiences in Shreveport, Yeah, Louisiana. we were talking about how you <laughs> got COVID and almost died. Jeez. Hilarious. It's amazing. Let's get to today's headlines. Okay, Commissioner Brett Yormark and school administrators met at Big 12 Media Days in West Virginia over the weekend at the Greenbrier, we learned. Mm-hmm. Some of the highlights included your mark acknowledging the league has a plan regarding potential expansion, wants to be in the Pacific time zone, and will consider all options. Have we considered that he could go beyond the Pacific time zone? Maybe the Hawaiian time zone? <laughs> other highlights. Well, he does want to get into Mexico, but yeah. take current big Those are all in the current there. time zones of the United States. Yeah. There will be a uh, data rights deal announced in the coming week in international strategy focused on Mexico. A record 444, uh, sorry, 440 million. What's well, four extra million? Uh, in revenue distributed to the 10 schools. That's a record. Uh, the league will have a brand refresh next year, but the name and logo will stay the same. Okay. Uh, Shane Reese uh, in my stake presidency, also BYU president. Tom Homo, Liz Darger, Colby Wright were reportedly there for BYU. Okay. Some mandatory mini camps begin this week in the NFL for the following players and teams, led by Fred Warner and the San Francisco 49ers, Sione Takitaki and the Cleveland Browns underway, Dax Milne with the Commanders in a mini camp, and D'Angelo Mandel with the Dallas Cowboys. Jimmer Fredette, Team USA's three-on-three team, took silver in the World Cup, losing 21-19 to Serbia. Jimmer Fredette had a ball go in and out Ugh. at 19-19 that would have won it. Fredette had a game-high 10 points in the gold medal game. Alexa Gray 
on the women's volleyball beat with 20 kills and two aces for Team Canada and Volleyball Nations League playing a five-set win against Serbia yesterday. At least they beat Serbia. Seriously. Gray is fourth overall with 81 points in the Volleyball Nations League play right now. On the men's side, how about Trent Mosier, BYU freshman, made the U21 Pan American Cup traveling roster headed for Cuba. Mosier was on the team last year that won gold at the U21 Pan American Cup. The United States play Nicaragua today at noon in Havana. How cool is that? Maybe the Big 12 is going to Cuba as well. Who knows? Uh, Austin Deming, third team All-American from Collegiate Baseball. Deming was the co-WCC Player of the Year. Hit a mere 418 with 19 dingers and 68 RBI this season. He's the 32nd All-American in BYU baseball history. My goodness, congratulations to Austin. Ridiculous numbers. Amber Whiting and BYU women's basketball announced the addition of John Wardenberg back, as baby. an assistant coach. He is back. All of the support on social media for him coming back to BYU was really cool to watch unfold over the weekend as well. He was an assistant coach at BYU with Dave Rose and Steve Cleveland from 2001 to 2010. Would you call this a blue and white photo? I would call that a blue and white photo. You have some blue hues there, right? Yeah, a lot, the, the hue just cranked up. Daniel Schneeman continues his onslaught on AAA, going 5 for 10. The homer at triple and four RBI over the weekend for the Guardians AAA affiliate, Columbus Clippers. Listen, if the Guardians are like way out of the playoff race, Schneeman might get the call up in September. Here's the thing, they won't be. They're good. Yeah, no, they're a good team. <laughs> so should we root for them to be bad so he gets the call up? Um, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I have no best Down with in Cleveland! The, in uh, their... Yes, yeah. the, the Guardians. I just want the Mariners and nobody else. Yeah. Oh, Ashley Hatch, a gorgeous assist in a Washington Spirit 1-1 draw with Where? Racing Louisville FC. Where are they racing? Well, it's, because it's Louisville, like Kentucky Derby. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's you know no it's love for horse, the bats. It's horse country. Well, controversy in that regard. Recently, <laughs> I if know, you saw the news today. I know. Jeez. All right, those are today's headlines. Now it's time to opinionate as we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Start us off, Jerem. College Football News Bowl projections. June 5th. Uh, what's up? Come there? on! Uh, has BYU playing North Texas in the first responders bowl? Is this better than the Independence Bowl? No, it's not. The Independence Bowl would be a matchup with a Pac-12 team, which is significantly more interesting to me and financially more appealing to me than playing North Texas in Texas in the First Responders Bowl. Last year, the payout for the First Responders Bowl was 824,000. Yikes. The Independence Bowl was 2.2, uh, so nearly three times the amount. Uh, certainly the Independence Bowl, not good vibes because BYU lost to UAB and finished what was an otherwise spectacular season with the loss as Tyler Algier continues to gallop. He set the BYU single season record in this oh. game. Um, Independence Bowl is way better. I didn't think that I could say these words, uh, but <laughs> and I haven't even been there. But um, yeah, it's, it's way better. I'm hoping BYU can go to the Independence Bowl plus. First responders, like, would BYU lose money going to that game? Maybe. Maybe. Like, like I don't know how much it costs to fly the band and all the cheerleaders and everyone's uh, spouse um, to a game, but like, What's the cost? There? No, the, the yeah. payout at the Independence Bowl, with it being, as you pointed out, almost three times as much as the First Responders Bowl, you'd think BYU would at least break even getting well, the families there. Well, and the other thing, again, it's all pooled together with the Big 12. So it almost doesn't matter because you're not getting a bigger share because you went to that bowl game anyway. 
We have that old mindset it's with just the just more money for the conference for to share. For everybody. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, maybe it's not like, that big of a like, deal. Listen, if there's two playoff teams from the Big 12, you're like, we just got money. Yeah. BYU did. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't care as much. You know what? I just go know. to a ball game. Who cares where? <laughs> I don't want to play North I, Texas I think Texas, we, though. Here's the thing. Do we actually want a Power 5 opponent in a bowl game? Maybe. Like, if BYU's 6-6 six and six and loses and if goes 6-7, and seven, alternate, are we like, that wasn't as cool? If the alternate is North Texas in Texas and you can potentially or lose to North Texas? Oregon no. State? Yes, I'll always take a Power 5. No one's going to get. No one's gonna be like, I can't believe you lost to a Power 5 team. What do you have to gain? Oh, yeah, we mail it in. That's right. We're a Power 5 team. No, no, no. We're a Power 5 team. We lose the game. We go, ah, we didn't even want to be there. Didn't even want to be there. We're good. <laughs> Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. He was the guy with the Jets. Yes. Yep. That didn't go well. Well, yeah. He has some nice things to say about Puka Nakua after uh, official doesn't? team activities. Okay. So what would define a successful rookie season for Puka this year with the Rams offense? I think being on the 53 every game is enough, honestly. Like, he doesn't have to have, like, massive numbers. Certainly, I would love for him to go, I think I've said, you know, 20 catches, 200 yards, and a couple of touchdowns would be enough. I don't need, like, yeah. 40, 404, which I think I said uh, earlier. That would be a really good season. But what would be enough? Um, being on the active roster. Yeah, every success week. was 40, 404 to me. But like just being on the roster yeah. and being in the mix and like 20, 202. Yeah, I think Puka's capable of, like I said, 40, 404. Certainly. Health is wealth, right? Especially. It's the best. For Puka. The best abilities, availability. So, yes, a successful season for Puka would be just staying healthy and being available. I think all pro and pro bowl. For every week. There you go. Okay. <laughs> just just be healthy. Is it yeah. bad that I don't trust Michael Floor as the OC at the moment, given what happened in New York? Is that a fair comment? Yeah, but I trust Matthew Stafford, and I trust Sean McVay. They stunk last year. It's not like they're coming off some amazing season. They, no, they, but two years they ago, had they the, the Super Bowl chance. Not with Michael Floor, they weren't. <laughs> Maybe if he's given. Does the he right... get that gig because they stink last I don't year? Know. Yes, is the answer. <laughs> Maybe he'll be better, but yeah, Staff Stafford's not in his prime anymore. He's on the tail end. I trust Sean McVay a little bit. Yeah, there. No one said that last year when they stuck. Yeah. Hopefully they're better. Yeah, we want Puka to get. Yeah, I don't care Stay how healthy. good the Rams are. I just want Puka to have a good individual year. Stay healthy. In get fact, in the I want zone. the Rams to be terrible. I like the Seahawks. Just get in the end zone at least once. Be healthy. No injuries. Got that good defense. Limited offense. All right, up next, did you know we've had 100 years of BYU football? You probably did know that. This is the 100th year. If you had to choose the single best win in those 100 years, which game are you going with? The battle for the best, an amazing bracket, begins next with our first matchup to determine the greatest win in BYU football history. Do not go anywhere. It is June. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Big Kafusi, the senior. Tackled by who else? Kafusi again. Kafusi with the interception. Yeah, he's a game record. And Wilson is eaten up by Bronson Kafusi. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. 
As you can see, I was going for the subtle, low-key, patriotic approach today. You better be going to a barbecue <laughs> On D-Day. Yeah. <laughs> you got the middle-aged middle dad look <laughs> yeah. going on I hard I love right my now. country, okay? Yeah. Uh, Bronson Kafusi, former BYU and NFL defensive lineman, is back with us on BYUSN. And, hey, to a degree, you got the memo as well. You got the camo shorts on, right? There you go. I like patriotism that. Count it. There. Count it. <laughs> and one. Yes. I, I don't know why I'm surprised when I walk in with this shirt and everyone's like, whoa. Whoa, that is, that's a shirt. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I am wearing it. It's dripping in patriotism. I couldn't be more proud of you right now. I don't know. I, should I apologize? I, I, I don't, you don't ever apologize okay. for being patriotic here. Come on now. Come on now. Bronson, and the socks, bro. Nice. I, I, again, stars and stripes. Yeah. Bronson, I got your approval, though, so that's all I need to thank you. Yeah, I thought, first thing I thought was, that looks great. Words that of affirmation. So that's <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I need yeah. that after someone called me old yesterday. It happens. <laughs> it happens. Bronson, we've been talking about this BYU football team and comparing where they are this year roster-wise to where BYU was going into last season at this point last year. And Jeremy and I came to a consensus that, Look, it, it's going to be tough to say that this team right now is better than where this team last year was going into the season because they were preseason ranked and they had an NFL quarterback in place and a returner, Puka Nakua. Where do you stand on it? Do you, do you feel like with the top 20 transfer class, they are close or even better than last year? Man, that's a good question because you're right. When you go into a season where you have weapons and you know they're proven. Yeah. And then you're, when you're going into a season where you have a lot of talented players, but it's how are they going to play together? And I, it's like, that's the question mark. And so um, you hope that, you know, from spring ball to summer workouts to fall camp, that they're all meshing well together and everything, everyone's on the same page and, um, kind of like that team unity is at an all-time high as you're climbing to that first game. So and, we'll see. And proven is interesting because Darius Lassiter had, you know, 400 yards at uh, Eastern, Michigan. Eastern Michigan. It's like, okay, what does that mean in the Big 12 as the number two, three, four receiver here? Aiden Robbins had 1,000 yards at UNLV, but guess what? There's no San Jose State sitting there. It's going to be Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Texas and so on, right? The big unknown here is, is the Big 12. Um, BYU could be super ready, and I think it is, for this. But that could still manifest itself in a 7-5 and five regular season. That may have been a 9-win season in the Mountain West or Independence. What's your thought on sort of the uh, – I always make the weight room analogy as a guy who doesn't go into the weight room. Um, <laughs> you guys do. Is Listen, there's more weight on the bar. There may be fewer reps initially. You know – In the form of wins. In the form of wins. When I, when, I, when I think about it, I'm thinking about, okay, the players that you're going against every single week are more talented. And with that usually means physically, um, when it comes to football IQ, uh, when it comes to drive to get to the NFL, everything ticks up. And so what's, what's awesome though when I look at it is BYU has the opportunity to show that we belong. Mm. We've waited for this. We've waited for this. For I mean, I, time. I was the class where I got the letter telling me, hey, we're going independent. And that was a while ago. And so now it's like, ugh, we're in the conference. Like, this is the time. This is what we've been waiting for. And we're all in. And let's go attack it. And I love that. I love being in that position. Do you think it'll take a couple years to get to the point where we're thinking, okay, BYU's 
competitive in the Big 12. I don't, I don't think that's sort of the standard going in this first year. It's not like you're competing for the title initially. We hope in the next, I don't know, three to five years that it's yeah. like, okay, now you know what this is like. Let's go p- compete for a title. Is that fair? Yeah, no, definitely. Because for me, when it comes to college football, the biggest aspect is recruiting. And so I, I'm really excited because recruiting is going to, you're going to see a huge uptick of recruits that we're going to be able to get, you know, coming here. But not only that, being able to get the transfer portal working just like we have already, but that's something that's going to help us a lot um, moving forward and beating in the Big 12. Because that recruiting, sure, it's going to be great. I feel like we've seen it too in the transfer portal. And honestly, Top the transfer, transfer portal, the transfer portal is more <laughs> important than high school recruiting now. It just is. You need guys that can make an impact right away. I want to go back to something you said. You love the opportunity for BYU to prove that they belong. And we've talked about the underdog mentality. BYU and functions better as BYU the underdog. fans, players, yep. coaches, yep. everyone involved in the BYU community embrace that. Like, we are the It's in underdog. our DNA. We just like being undervalued. As a player, when you are the underdog and you are taking on a big-time team and BYU is going to face a ton of big-time teams in the Big 12, does it make you play better? If you go in with that, okay, they don't respect us. They don't think that we belong. Like, does it make you play better? Yeah, definitely. I think so, for sure. Because I don't know about play better, but you're going to hit a little harder. Mm. You're going to not get as tired when you are tired. And you're going you're gonna to bring everything that you're great at to the table on that day of performance. And so that's what's so cool about being the underdog and it's the best place to be in um i love it and i even think you know because i even think as a player when i'm lining up against another player who is like this guy's gonna be a first round draft pick this guy's highly recruited this guy and now you have a lot of those guys on team but for me as a player i'm matching up with him and what's that mentality like that's what's going to matter for byu is each player's mentality when they line up across from that individual player and what's my job, what's their job, and can I dominate that guy across from me? That's what matters. And BYU's lived off of like uh, no-star, two-star, some three-star that become kind of four- and five-star college players, right? Um, and that's been awesome. The development here, the coaching has been really good. The work ethic and the focus, obviously at this place, with sort of the bigger focus than football, it's easy to get guys that like can dial in on football, right? I think the next step for BYU, once BYU gets acclimated a little bit, will be handling success. Mm. Okay, now that we're the favorite, now that we have more four-star-ish guys like you coming out of high school and so on, can we deliver on that? But we'll get to that point. It's going to take a couple of years. What are you you sort of most excited about with the Big 12, and then what are you most sort of aware of that might be a challenge? So first, what I'm most excited about the Big 12 is just the fact that I'm thinking of it from a player's point of view. And I'm thinking, I'm excited to watch the matchups between players mm. because each player is going to be going up against the same player for years. And so that player is going to know. Continuity now. Yeah, yep. I love that. There's history. I, there's yes. there's going to be history. That left tackle I'm going to remember last from last year. Yeah, yeah. And it's just going to keep building and building. So the rivalries are going to be built. And it's going to be fun to watch because you'll be, you'll be able to watch the film, watch the games, and see, wow, that player really, like those two players, 
when they line up across from each other, they don't like each other. And, Assuming they don't transfer. Yes, that's true too. That's true too. But that that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Like that level of competition will be so fun to watch. And yeah. even we'll see rivalries between BYU and other teams within uh, the Big 12. That'll happen over time. Which is we exciting. never thought St. Mary's would be a huge rival in basketball. <laughs> yeah. like Actually, it evolved. Then, then people were making choke signs and throwing mouthpieces and making buzzer beaters. Like, like crap happens to yes. create a rivalry. Yes. Yeah. Okay, now, as Jerem asked, on the other side, what has you feeling a little trepidatious? You're on high caution. We're like, oh, man, I, I don't know about this. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's something that has to do with every season, but especially when you're doing something new. And it's going in there week after week. And let's say you get on that losing streak. Mm -hmm. You know, how can I, how can we as a team make sure, we, let's say we lose two in a row. Mm -hmm. Okay, the third one. Now what's our mindset? It's like, how are we going to perform? And you're doing something new. And so it's like, okay, we need to make sure that we handle adversity very well going into the Big 12. In a foreign situation. In a foreign You've situation. Never been there. Yes, exactly. So being able to do that will be will be vital. The foreign uh, return missionaries have to carry it then. <laughs> so I've been in this situation randomly in Nicaragua. We're going to be all right. Okay, let's finish with this. We we teased this earlier. Um, who's the impact the biggest impact transfer on the defensive side of the ball this year for BYU in your opinion? Oh, man. There's some good transfers. Um, I think I'm going to go with my Tim Few guy. Oh, yeah. Jackson, Jackson Cravens? Jackson Cravens. Yeah. Tackle. Yeah. Um, I know it starts up front. I mean, I was in there. And to have experience up front is so key. And be able to have someone that can go in there and hold it down against, you know, high, highly ranked offensive linemen in the Big 12, it's going to make or break us. So that, that defensive front, anyone along that defensive front is going to be Huge. What is it you like about Jackson's game? I just, I love his experience. I like his motor, his technique with his hands. Um, I can tell he's consistent with it. And, and I like how he can pretty much do everything. Mm -hmm. He can play against the run, so he's a first down guy, right? And then you have uh, D-Tackle where, you know, I watched some of his film. I'm like, hey, he can develop into a dominant pass rusher. Um, and he has a lot of experience already. So. It's like, man, if you can take experience and he has a skill set, it's like, now let's, now let's coach him up and get him to where he's doing it over and his confidence is through the roof. So that way he can make an impact on, you know, passing downs as Utah, well. Utah, Boise State, you know. Now, BYU, we should have known he was going with the T-Bird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Provo Bulldogs to pick from, you know what I'm saying? Bronson, great to talk with you, man. We appreciate Good the insight as always. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Okay, if you miss any interviews, Deep Blue shows, games, and so on and so forth, uh, check out BYUSN.com. Download the free BYU TV app. There's tons of content there. Up next, has Kalani Satake just found a new way to extend the win streak against Utah? Hmm. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok.
Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer Linton. He is Jerem Jordan. Let's get to today's headlines. Lindy's Magazine has all Big 12 picks in its preseason college football preview. Kingsley Suomati on the first team, Aiden Robbins and Connor Pay on the second team, Tyler Batty, Eddie Heckard, which is the most BYU name of all time, Ryan Rico were on the third team. Aiden Robbins listed as toughest to bring down, and Kingsley Suomati, number two on the top 10 NFL talent list. Okay. Hey, we were just talking about talent. There's some talent there. Mm -hmm. Your boy Rico on that page. Ryan Rico. BYU men's and women's track and field travel to Austin, Texas today for the NCAA Outdoor Nationals, which start tomorrow and run through Saturday. Aren't you going to go check it out? Saturday I'll be in Austin. I'm going to go. Yeah. But take the karma, man. I, I got my media go. pass. I'm ready to go. BYU has a combined 17 entries at Nationals, which is tied for 13th most across the country. Men's track and field and cross country teams also signed runner Spencer Bradshaw out of Farmington High School in Utah. Shout out Elder Colin Chandler from Farmington as well. And shout out to Daniel Coates, former footballer who's the head football coach at Farmington High. So many, so many connections. So many Farmington connections. I think I have a relative who founded Farmington. My mom told me once. Trent Mosier in the <laughs> USA U21 men's team beat Nicaragua 3-0. Uh, in Havana, Cuba, in the first game of the Norseca Pan Am Cup, Moser played in two sets and had four kills. If you've got a relative that founded Farmington, do you get yeah. free Lagoon passes? I wish. A little dude. theme park action? Oh, that'd be great. I've been to Lagoon in a hot minute. Let's go! Yeah, that'd Let's be cool. Let's go! Davis County? I, I don't make it up to Davis County too often. It's my, it's I'm my deep home. in Mapleton, bro. It's like an hour or two away, man. <laughs> BYU men's golfer Zach Jones and Keanu Aquina both competed yesterday in the U.S. Open qualifying round in Tacoma, Washington. They were among 54 players, relatively small group, competing for two spots in next week's U.S. Open. Jones shot four over. He was seven spots removed from qualifying, while Aquina shot 10 over. Both outstanding golfers just outside the cut. Those are today's headlines. Now we really opinionate and whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. The PGA Tour announces it's merging with Live Golf this morning. What would the college football <laughs> equivalent of this be? This was a shocker. So I thought, would it be like two power conferences forming? Maybe like the SEC and the Big Ten or something like that? But I'm like, no, no, there's too much drama involved here. Because remember, a bunch of PGA guys left to live for a ton of money. And now they get the best of both worlds. They got the money, Jerem, and now they're back in the PGA Tour. This is like this is like the equivalent of a group of five team leaving for a Power Five conference. They go get more money, and then all like, or they they had to leave uh, a foundation where they felt good, and now it's coming back together. But they still have the more money. The old whack with the Big Twelve. Yeah, something, something like that. Someone tweet. Well, my first thought was Big Twelve, Pac Twelve becomes one conference. They've kind of jotted each other from a distance, and now they're one. Yeah, I like that comparison. But also, someone tweeted, "This is the Michael Scott Paper Company in real life." <laughs> they got bought out, and they were like, "Wait, what? You're going to pay us?" Struggling, right? Yes. Yes, they had the money, but they weren't making money uh, from the actual golf. It was from all the oil and whatnot. Think about right? all the guys on the PGA Tour that turned down princes. that turned down the big money. And now they're like, oh man, <laughs> we would have been back anyway. And I had a, I had a massive payday over That's there wild. for a few years. I am glad they're back together though. Yes. I think it's better for golf. Yeah. I thought like, you know, people were like, oh, the rivalry is good. It was never good. No. I didn't I like it. I wasn't watching Live Golf. No, I will. 
Okay, time for an open discussion, oh, Jared. Boy. What was it previously? Okay, this is based on. <laughs> it's true. Not a close. It was closed before. It's really open now. This is based on a tweet yesterday that said, "What's an NFL player? Who's an NFL player who should be remembered more?" With a picture of the great Antonio Gates from the San Diego Chargers, now in Los Angeles. Yeah. Who's a former BYU player who should be remembered more? There's a million names that come to mind. Lenny Gomes for Lenny comedy's Gomes. sake. If you know the quote, you know the quote. I know the quote. Speaking of the years, Gomes declared, all those guys think that's all there is to life. But when I'm making, this is like 1993, mm -hmm. 50 to 60,000 a year, they'll be pumping my gas. <laughs> They're low class losers. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Lenny Gomes. <laughs> Let me give you a real name though, because that's just comedy's sake. Margin Hooks. One of the greatest Margin receivers Hooks. in BYU history. I don't think yes. he's brought up enough. Margin Hooks was amazing. I don't think we appreciate Harvey Unga enough, Jerem. I feel like he's lost in the conversation of Paul Pitta Cauley. Harvey was the all-time leading rusher before Jamal broke that record. They had all-time guys at four positions. And he did it in three years, Jerem. Yes. Like, would anybody catch Harvey if he had all four years? I don't years? think so. I don't think so. He may have gone for five. Maybe. 5,000 plus career rushing yards. He would have cracked at least four. I mean, it would have been nuts. Like, yeah. it's crazy. I, so I think we need to remember what he did on the field. He was so good, but he was kind of lost in the shadow of that big three. Yeah, I love Harv. Good basketball player, too. No context college football tweeted Kalani Stocky quote after the Georgia Southern game in 2021, where he said, quote, we were getting hit by burritos on the sideline. <laughs> in fact, let's play what he told you about it on the postgame show that night. I think they were doing some things, throwing food burritos at us on the, from the stands, and uh, I think it got kind of the guys a little upset. And then the, you know all the chippiness on the field. And <laughs> it oh. reminds you of Anchorman. Shout Will Ferrell to, just throws a burrito out his window. Shout out Jack to the Black. Sun Belt, Jerem. Did you just throw a burrito at me? Is that the most random thing ever? That's probably the most random, unexpected comment I've ever had in a post-game interview. Like, they were throwing burritos at me. What's stranger than that? One random, uh, one BYU player in the secondary told me this year, they were they were just chiding us and yelling at us the whole time. And then after, they were trying to get Snapchat usernames from everybody. <laughs> uh, that's the same crowd that did throw funny. an alcoholic beverage on me. So, it was a great night. That's fun. <laughs> it was a great night. And you're like, you were like, no, don't let it touch me. Yeah. <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Football has a top 20 transfer class according to 24-7 Sports, but will the Cougars be better this season than last? We think BYU is headed into the year with more talent, coaches, players. We'll discuss. Big questions for a big show. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. June 6th, it's a Tuesday. It's D-Day, 89 years ago. And I'm feeling patriotic today. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who apparently looks much younger than me in every picture, Jerem Jordan. So what's that about? Uh, yeah, we're like a year-ish uh, <laughs> difference in age. Um, but 
This is all generated from a photo that came out yesterday. We went to Bam Bam's and celebrated the 10-year anniversary of Cam True and Bam Bam's. We loved yeah. the barbecue there. Uh -huh. It was awesome. Oh, hey, Taysom Hill, what's up? Um, it, it was great to celebrate there. So we, I tweet this photo, and uh, at Scoth Rigby says, okay, tell me how T. Hill looks like an average guy, but then you see him doing superhuman things like truck guys on the NFL field. And it, I, I tweeted, because... Spencer and I are jacked. And then <laughs> Legend Gary said, sorry, Spencer, you're looking quite old in this photo. So here's the thing. Let's zoom in a little bit more to this yeah. photo. Let's take, let's take, oh, oh, well, okay. I, I, I get it now. Now that the zoom yeah. lens is up, I can yeah. totally see like, that. Like, I didn't notice this before, but you do look super old there. I just said 89 years ago, D-Day. I look like I'm 89 I think right you there. were there, um, <laughs> which, is, which is crazy. Holy cow. No, good, uh, good times there. Uh, congratulations to Cam. Fun to, uh, to uh, hang out with Taysom and catch up a little bit. So, yeah. so I responded to uh, Gary and said, why, why are you sorry? Sorry, you look really, why are you sorry? Um, yeah, I, and he, I, I he know said, what you're saying. Because I love you guys and I feel like yeah. I know y'all and I probably shouldn't have said that. I am old and know it. <laughs> it's, it's all okay. good, Gary. It's so all I, went, good, man. I went to my wife for confirmation last night. Like, mm -hmm. the heck, do I look old in this picture? And she's like, well, yeah, you're, because of like the lighting from bouncing off, like looks like the sides of your hair are gray. So because you actually kind of do look old in that picture. And I was like, that was not what I was looking for. Listen, but, we're okay. not as young as we used to be <laughs> on this program, but uh, yeah, I would not I would not say we're old quite yet. We one day we will be. One uh, day we will be. Good stuff. And good to catch up with Taysom Hill yesterday. Yeah, as that, well. that was fun. Okay, on today's show, is the football team better going into this year than last year? We'll discuss. In some ways, I think yes, some ways no. Bronson Kafusi will join the program, discuss that and more. New women's basketball assistant coach John Wardenberg is back. He was here during many of the Jimmer years in the Lee Kamara time before that. He'll uh, give us some insight into why he uh, jumped back to BYU here. And what are the results from day one of the best wins in BYU football history bracket? Wait until you see today's matchup. Mm. Ah, yes. Plenty of reasons to rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. What's Trending, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Let the coaches for BYU football cook. And they have been putting together a master menu when it comes to the transfer portal. In fact, BYU football now has the 20th ranked transfer class, according to 24-7 Sports. 20 transfers in. With all BYU has added through the transfer portal, Jerem, as well as Jay Hill as the defensive coordinator, a revamped defensive staff, using your 2020 vision. See what I did there? Mm -hmm. 20 transfers. Kind of hate that year, though. Okay, top 20 class. You hate 2020? It was terrible. It was awful. I'm talking about the season. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, the season was great, but yeah, we didn't play anybody. But yeah. <laughs> okay. That year sucked. Considering that BYU has a top 20-ranked transfer class and a new revamped defensive staff, do yeah. you believe BYU football has a better team entering this season compared to where they were entering last season? In a word, no. Ooh. Uh, I, I do think BYU is better in certain ways, but BYU was top 25 going into the season. That was the first preseason ranked team since 09 from BYU. Yeah, nationally You ranked? end up having a quarterback, a receiver, and a left tackle drafted in the top five rounds. 
They were all uh, highly ranked at their position nationally, according to PFF and so on. In the case of Puka and Blake, they were top five at their position in terms of PFF ranking. So, and the offensive line ended up being the number one pass blocking and number 12 run blocking team in the country. It's hard to say that this year's team would be better than those things I just said, but let's evaluate things perhaps that are upgraded from last year. We hope that the defensive staff is better. The defensive staff the last couple years did a really nice job. Obviously, last year was not good enough. Thus, they, uh, they are out and Jay Hill and the homies are in. Um, in terms of uh, depth at certain positions, I would say the offensive line is not better, but it is deeper. Meaning, the starters are not as good as last year's starters. But the depth of uh, that O-line, I think, is better. Okay. Um, I like the additions that BYU has made and the amount of guys in the transportal they've, they've gotten there. So I like that. I like the depth of wide receiver more. Obviously, losing Puka, there's no player like Puka on the roster. But when you add Darius Lasseter and Keelan Marion and you keep a guy like Cody Epps who jumped into the portal, I think that room is deeper than it was last year, which is exciting. Um, but at quarterback, Keen Slovis we hope, can approximate what Jaron Hall was. Can Kingsley Suamataia be better than Blake Freeland or equal to? Probably. He's pacing to be that way according to most NFL draft experts. But you won't have a guard as good as Clark Barrington, right? But can you have a right tackle in Caleb Etienne potentially as good as Harris Lachance was uh, or Kingsley Suamataia at that position? That could like, happen. Yeah, Kingsley was really good. So in some regards, yes. Overall, I would say no. That was a talented team. Remember, we were pretty high on that group walking in. In the end, they go 8-5. and five. They struggle in the middle of the season. There's some injuries that contribute to that. Is Aiden Robbins going to be better than Chris Brooks? We hope he's equal to or better and can stay healthy and so on and so forth. So, yes, in some ways. But overall, I would argue no. But uh, that can manifest itself in a different way. Like, if BYU gets seven wins with this schedule, ten straight Power Fives, maybe 11 with a bowl game. Would that team qualify as a better team than probably, last year? Probably. Probably. But in some – overall, probably. But they have to go out and do it now. And the hope is that these 20 transfers, that BYU has bolstered its roster in not only adding quality starters, but quality depth to where, okay, if so-and-so goes down middle of the year because it's tougher in a Power Five league – that that is not going to be as big of a dip as perhaps it has been in the past. Yeah, and does that make you a better team if there isn't as big of a dip behind your A-list stars? If you win, yes. Individually, it's going to be hard to beat what Jaron and Puka and Blake did last year at those positions. Like, does BYU have three draft picks in the top five rounds on the team? I would argue they have one for sure in Kingsley, and then it's TBD. Maybe Keaton Slovis gets into the top five if he has a year like his freshman campaign. And who else? Because he need three. Like Cam Miller said Cody Epps is probably comp. the third most likely player drafted if he has a big season, but I think it's a stretch to think that he's a top five pick. Yes. Like a and top five round pick. Yes, and it's not, I'm not saying the NFL draft is everything. I'm just saying that's a big deal, though. First and foremost is what's your record? How'd you fare? How'd you play in those games, right? Well, we'll see, man. I, I'm certainly excited about this team. But last year had some real good yeah. talent. Yeah, my immediate response was thinking just straight talent to talent. And you automatically go to, well, you lost a quarterback that just got drafted in the fifth round and a receiver that just got drafted in the fifth round. And you lost another great offensive tackle. Who was the highest pick of those three. So 
Could is there any way that BYU could be as talented as they were going into the season at this point last year? And that's year? the top end talent we're talking about, right? Top, not, not the sort of average of what you are. But the fun debate is what you brought up, and where I naturally drifted to was, well, I feel like BYU is much deeper. I do, I do too. I just feel like they're a deeper team overall than they were going into last season. Mm-hmm. We were all kind of hang yeah. on, especially at. You know, the skill positions where it's like, oh, man, if some of these guys get hurt, what does BYU have behind Jaron Receiver, Hall? Receiver, we asked that have question. Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney? And we found out, unfortunately, Puka going out after week one and Gunnar Romney was unhealthy for much of the season. Played in like two games. To the credit of Cody Epps and Keanu Hill and Chase Roberts, they were kind of thrust into this spot. But because they did have to play more than maybe we were hoping that they had to, now that builds depth as well. So BYU returns some valuable experience with meaningful game experience. And then you add all these transfers. BYU's depth is better overall, but does that, does that mean you are a better team overall? Because who wins the games? Is it the backup middle linebacker? Only if he has to play, right? It's, it's your, mostly your skill position guys who have to make a play. The line has to block well, and then Aiden Robbins got to get that first down is on third BYU, and three in the red zone yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Is BYU better at running back than they were last year? Chris Brooks, I've said this, uh, had a better year than you think. Uh, I think we kind of uh, dump on him a little bit unnecessarily. He had 817 yards, averaged six yards a carry. Yeah. Like, it was a good yeah. year. Um, did, was he good enough in short downs at times? No. We're hoping Aiden Robbins is is pretty good there. And then what can Deion Smith bring to the table? Can he be a Lopini Katoa plus? Um, can those two combine for more? They did last year at least. Yeah. At UNLV in Colorado. We'll what see do here. Miles Davis and Hinkley Ropati bring back? What do they do? Yeah, what are they in this? Um, I'm excited about the additions. Listen, BYU had to go to the portal to do this. Because if they don't, I think we're walking in going, I, we hope they make a bowl game. We expect it, but it's... It, I'm confident BYU is going to make a bowl game. You know, high side, maybe BYU does get yeah. into the eight, eight-ish wins spot. But obviously the five to seven win range is the cautious, realistic assessment given we don't know what these 20 dudes are going to do exactly. Like how good is Keaton Slovis? Um, we, but we trust John Beck and Aaron Roderick a lot, right, um, in what they produce. Their track record is really good. But the big unknown is how tough is the Big 12? What does Power Five football look like? It's a wide open. What is it like when you're on that seventh game and you're just banged up in a way that you've like you've never lifted in the weight room, like I always say, like this before? No, but maybe they haven't. Different. Maybe BYU hasn't carb loaded or protein loaded depth in this way before. In this way, right? And and is this staff prepared? Is this school prepared in a way that they never would have been out of the Mountain West? And in that way, the pathway to this point has been better for sure. Yeah. And again, let's say BYU has a really nice year and goes, let's say, 8-5. and five. It doesn't mean they're going to go 8-5 and five plus every year. Like, you've got to show up every stinking year now, and we've wanted this opportunity for BYU, so it's exciting. And listen, if you think 20 is a lot, I would say get used to 20. I, I think every year BYU is going to be in this space mm. of we've got to add guys. Now, a lot of these guys will have one or two years typically. Okay. Been, rarely will you find the, I've only been somewhere for one year, and now I'm going to come over and have an impact. Kingsley Suamata'ia, to me, will be more rare than, say, a Darius Lassiter. Sure, there are, there are a few guys. In yeah. a couple of spots, but most of the time, you're going to find a guy, to me, that will have one or two years who's looking 
to better himself, a Deion Smith type, in yeah. his case, grad transfer. There nice. is an exception in an unnamed four-star that uh, is going to right. be announced at BYU some point. BYU just gets those guys from Oregon. <laughs> the, the, I played the there one year. I got three I'm four. from here. I'm ready to go. Yeah, it, listen, um, ultimately it's wait and see. Like most of these questions that we ask in the summer are, well, wait and see. But – uh, BYU's got a chance to prove itself, certainly, and, and quickly early in this season. I feel like it's close. I really do. It's like, closer it, than it, I thought. Yes, it is which close. Is it's hard to give the edge to 2023 knowing that you just lost Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua and like, Blake Freeland. Like, why would we? Did, did, and they were a preseason top 25 team. Like, Keaton Slovis came off a year where he had, like, 10 touchdown passes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're hoping he recaptures the old self. Sure. For, for Keaton. I mean, his if overall Keaton metric ca- was, what, 90th best in the country as a quarterback if, in Pittsburgh? If Keaton came in with 30 touchdowns, 10 picks, and blah, 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 we'd, we'd feel a little differently. But we're confident that Keaton can get back to that dude yeah. that we saw ourselves in 2019 in the Edwards Stadium. Here's the case that just maybe 2023 – is better than 2022, and it's all about defense, Jerem. But again, it's skewed. <laughs> yeah. It's skewed yeah. because the defensive side of the ball was significantly injured a few games into the season. I mean, you lost your starting safety, Malik Moore, and in talking with the coaches, they're like, "I don't think people understand how much that changed everything they that we wanted to do." Have depth of that position, but now they do. Yeah. So. Because we expect the defense to be much better than the 109th best total defense oh, that was, in the country. That was one of the worst defense BYU's produced in a long time. It was tough. So BYU's a top 60 defense and a top 40 offense. Yes, 40 is conservative for this place. Would those two metrics together make BYU be a better team than having a great offense and a bad defense last year? We kind of tolerate that a little bit here, though. Let's be honest. As long as the offense is good around here, we're like, we'll figure it out. We'll put up 40-plus. Yeah. But uh, obviously, BYU needs to play better defense. Like, It's not about having a great defense in the Big 12. To me, it's about having a good enough defense. Good enough. Top Getting 60. that one top stop half. in the fourth quarter where the offense takes the lead and you hold. Top, can you give me top half? Top 65? If BYU is the, not six, a big ask, bro. the 65th best defense in the country in a top 40 offense, I would take it right now. That's not a big ask. I would take it Although, right now. Although, first year in the Big 12, just hard to know like yeah. what the stats are going to be skewed like in a power five. What is depth compared to your top tier talent? And we never know how to quantify this, by That's the way. That's the question. Everyone says depth, 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 depth in fall camp. How do we know that? Like, we got to figure out how to quantify that better. Our question of the day. With the addition of defensive coordinator Jay Hill and a top 20 transfer portal class featuring 20 players to this point that BYU football has added this offseason, do you believe that BYU football is a better team going into 2023 compared to 2022? Are they going to be ranked in the AP poll? <laughs> no, right? <laughs> We both feel it's close. Yeah, it's closer than close. we think. Ben Peterson no. on Twitter says, The changes have given me hope that the defense will be better. Amen. And I think the offense has reloaded. We hope. We hope. So all signs point to yes. <laughs> I ha- what? He adds, I have been burnt before. <laughs> so I remain cautiously optimistic. To, uh, I think most fans of every team in America can say that. Well, we're cautiously optimistic because the caution is it's the Big 12. We're not sure what it's going to be like. But yeah, BYU's better, closer than I thought they'd be in this And it's thanks to depth. 
straight Absolutely. up. Okay, join BYU Sports Station game day crew Saturday, July 1st, 5 to 7 Eastern from the Artificial Turf Fields at the Student Athlete Building and on BYU TV and BYU Radio for the big party celebrating day one in the Big 12. We'll be there as well. It's going to be a ton of fun on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Up next, former NFL and BYU defensive lineman Bronson Kafusi back on the show. Who is he tabbed as BYU's most impactful defensive transfer? Some good names in there. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We have uh, attempted to add the very best. The addition of BYU sets us on a path to even greater success. This isn't going to be a failure. This is going to be a launching point. I'm delighted to welcome Brigham Young University into the Big 12. I'm steady blazing. Pull up at the spot and you know I'm steady blazing. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. We're super excited to welcome in for the first time to the program the voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats. He is their play-by-play -play specialist and the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Jerem. My team, number man. one team since 1996. What's he is Dan two? Horde. Dan, welcome to the program. From one Bengals fan to another, it's great nice. to have you with us. Spencer, Jerem, it's great to be on your show. I hope this is a regular occurrence since we will be in the same league on July 1st. I am over the moon <laughs> about joining the Big 12. I, we feel this kinship, especially with the four, right? Um, yeah. you know, which, which is awesome. What's it been like in the lead-up for Cincinnati and Cincinnati fans uh, to what uh, we've all been hoping for for a long time, which is to be included in a Power 5 conference? We finally have a seat at the table, right? It's been long overdue for Cincinnati. We've been performing well enough to be a Power 5 school, and now we finally get our opportunity to be one. I would say Bearcat fans have been giddy about this since the announcement that it was going to happen. I was in an event for alums in Chicago last night with some of our coaches. It was packed. People were thrilled. There's so many great things going on right now at the University of Cincinnati. Not only the fact that they're joining the Big 12 in 24 days, I guess it is, but uh, they were just reunited with Nike. I've got the, the Nike swoosh on my yeah. shirt here. Uh, Cincinnati is going to be a Jordan brand school in basketball. They are reunited with a Jordan brand. They'll be one of only 12 schools in the country that's Jordan brand. Uh, they helped popularize that back in the Kenyon Martin era. So I am calling this the greatest reunion since Andy and Red at the end of Shawshank Redemption. Zia Watanayo. Yes, Zia Watanayo, exactly. Uh, but two weeks ago, they put shovels in the ground for a new uh, indoor athletic facility. It looks more like the Sydney opera house uh, than an indoor football practice facility so they are behaving like a power five school and uh, as of july 1st it's going to be great to be one listen byu lost to said jordan brand Kenyon martin clad cincinnati bearcats in the 2001 ncaa tournament so you know what uh tough memory there but that's okay we'll get over it <laughs> <laughs> all right dan let's start with the current state of the program on the football side at Cincinnati. This is a team that's just a few years removed from making the college football playoff. It was an unbelievable run. Uh, it's hard to, I guess, 
uh, do that again, certainly for any team in America. So you could call it a step back, but the program seems to be in a really great place. How would you define the state of Cincinnati football right now? Well, we're going through a coaching change, obviously. Luke Fickle left at the end of last year for Wisconsin. Scott Satterfield takes over. He was the head coach at Louisville the last four years, and he was at Appalachian State for six years before that. 76-48, and 48, as you see on the screen, a 4-1 and one bowl record. He's a proven coach with a great offensive track record. It is challenging to step up in, in competition as a Big 12 member while going through a coaching change. I think if Luke Fickle had stayed for one more year, the transition probably wouldn't, would have been a smoother because of the current transfer, the NIL uh, opportunity. I mean, every school in the country is dealing with guys transferring out and guys transferring in. And when you have a, a coaching change, it's multiplied. So, for example, at the wide receiver position, the Bearcats had two wide receivers drafted. Mm -hmm. Trey Tucker went to the Raiders. Tyler Scott, who went to the Bears. And seven wide receivers transferred. Oh. So they lost nine wide receivers. Their starting quarterback from last year, Ben Bryant, has transferred. He's going home to Chicago to play for Northwestern. So we are likely to have a transfer coming in as our starting quarterback, Emory Jones. So it's a transition time, but I, I still think they are optimistic that in a very short period of time, Cincinnati will be one of the better schools in the Big 12. That has been Cincinnati's history. Any league that they join in a short period of time, they rise toward the top of the pack, if not to the top of the pack, because Cincinnati is a tremendous hotbed for high school football. There are great players in this state. They don't get them all because of Ohio State and some of the other colleges nearby, but you don't have to get them all. If you get your share, Cincinnati will be very competitive in the Big 12. I, I'm trying to remember which year it was. Maybe it was 2015, Gunner Keel, Tanner Mangum, the Elite 11 kind of conversation there. And then this year with Emory Jones and Keen Slovis, it'll be – the guys that have transferred in for one year who are in their third Power 5 league, uh, it'll be a fun quarterback matchup there. And, of course, a Friday night in Provo in the home opener. It's going to be a big deal, obviously, for both schools to be in the league in week two of conference play. But for BYU, we can't wait for that night because we just think the energy is going to be electric in that first home game. What do you expect uh, when these two teams tangle on September 29th? Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. Our first conference home game is against Oklahoma, so naturally fans <laughs> here are already fired up Let's go. about that opportunity to host the Sooners in their first Big 12 game. So the atmosphere, from my experience of going to Provo, is awesome under any circumstances. It's the most scenic view that any sportscaster gets, I think, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So uh, it's going to be a great night. I don't know that much at this point about your roster. I will, obviously, in time for that game. I, I, clearly, I know about Slovis. But um, the thing I remember from being there for football back in 2015 is that we couldn't protect our quarterback. BYU had eight sacks in that game. Um, uh, so hopefully Cincinnati's offensive line performs a lot better this year than it did back in 2015. Dan Horta is the voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats. He is with us on BYU Sports Nation Cincinnati's defense has been exceptional, and they've got a great track record going in that, uh, in that uh, area. Is it going to remain this year? Does that, will that remain the strength of Cincinnati football? I think it'll be the strength of the team this year, no, about, no doubt about that. I think Cincinnati will have one of the best defensive lines in the Big 12 and maybe in the country. Wow. 
Pro Football Focus ranked our nose tackle, Dante Corleone. We call him the godfather. Uh, they ranked him as the number one nose tackle in college football. The guy that starts next to him on the defensive line, Juwan Briggs, is a future NFL player. Cincinnati is loaded up front. They've got a lot of changes at linebacker in the secondary, so uh, that will be a challenge. But I'm really excited about the style of defense that Cincinnati is going to play under our new defensive coordinator, Brian Brown. He came with Scott Satterfield from Louisville. Last year, Louisville led the nation in sacks. Mm. Cincinnati faced Louisville in the Fenway Bowl last year. Cincinnati could not block the Cardinals, so it's a very aggressive scheme. Uh, I think Cincinnati is going to get after quarterbacks, and again, it all begins up front. Certainly coming off of a playoff appearance two years ago, expectations for Cincinnati football are high, yet there's a coaching change, quarterback change, and so on. For BYU, we're keeping expectations pretty low, so is Vegas of sort of like get to a bowl game, maybe seven wins in the regular season. But what are the expectations for the Bearcats? You know, I think it's a similar situation for Cincinnati because of the coaching change and the step up in competition. I think a realistic hope for season one is to finish with a winning record, go to a bowl game and hopefully win that bowl game. So uh, maybe the coaches would like me to set the bar a little bit higher than that or lower. I'm not sure. But I think the fan base is somewhat realistic, despite the recent uh, run of winning 10 or more games and going to super high-profile bowl games. I think our fan base understands the Big 12 is going to be a challenge. The coaching change adds to that challenge. But I, I think our fans look at the schedule and think, you know what? There are six or seven wins there. Let's see if they can do that, have a winning record, and uh, go somewhere fun in the postseason. Dan, we're enjoying the Cincinnati-BYU connection that's happening at the NFL level in Atlanta between Desmond Ritter and former BYU running back Tyler Algier. Tyler speaks very highly of Desmond, and that's a fun connection there. How do you keep track of all of that stuff bouncing between college and NFL in your very, very busy professional career? You know, I, I think if I were a plumber or a dentist, I would follow sports just as closely. It's just <laughs> I'm lucky that my uh, vocation is the same as my avocation, I guess. Uh, but I'm excited about that Atlanta team as well. I'll go out on a limb right now on this show and say that the Atlanta Falcons will win the NFC South. Let's go. Now, maybe that's not, hey. that's not that might not be going out on a limb. The Bucks <laughs> won the division at eight and nine last year. The other three teams finished seven and ten. Yeah. And believe it or not, Desmond Ritter is the only returning starter, starting quarterback in the NFC South. The other teams <laughs> all have new starters at quarterback. But I think Arthur Smith is an excellent coach, and they are doing everything in their power to help him succeed this year. Obviously, they drafted Bijan Robinson to go with Algiers, so they've got a tremendous running game. Um, they signed Jesse Bates away from the Bengals. We're going to miss him in Cincinnati, yeah, but I yep. think he's one of the best safeties in the NFL. So you heard it here first. The Atlanta Falcons become the one team. One team <laughs> does it every year to go from worst to first in one of the NFL divisions, and the Atlanta Falcons will be one of those teams this year. I love it. Great point you bring up about the NFC South. We had lunch with Taysom Hill a couple of days ago, Jeremy and I did, and he said, we stunk. And we almost won the division. <laughs> it almost That's happened. correct. And the Panthers and the Falcons can say the same thing. And you would think <laughs> that the Bucs are going to take a step back without Tom Brady. So I suspect it's probably the Saints or the Falcons will win that division. Dan, great to catch up with you. We appreciate the insights into uh, Cincinnati Bearcat football. Can you bring some Skyline Chili to Provo for us? 
I'd be happy to. I'm as long as I get to delicious. share it with you. Yes, so, absolutely. Right. Some we'll, Grainer's we'll ice cream while you're at it, too. Yeah, all hey, the, all, all, the, good, all, all the, the good things stuff. from Cincinnati. Dan, uh, yeah, go Bengals. Let's go. I'm, I'm big on Joe Burrow, so it's great to, uh, to meet you finally. I've listened to your voice for a lot of years. Thank you very much. Great to have somebody in Utah on that Bengals bandwagon. <laughs> it is growing by the day. This is the year that Cincinnati captures its first Super Bowl title. Let's go. Dan Horde with us. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bengals have come a long way from the 1996 version when I started to like them, and they were known as the Bungles. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> the, movie, the, the quote, there are dozens of us. Bungles. That's what it feels like with uh, you in Utah. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's as a, as pretty a random. Fan. Yeah, Skyline Chili, legit. What did you say? What was the other Grater's one? Ice Cream. Grater's Ice Cream? Yes. Uh, I'll need to try it. Yeah. The... Yeah, the, the, there's, it's delicious. That's, that's all I can say. It's some of the best ice cream, ice cream I've ever had. It's some, well, th- there's okay ice cream, and then there's amazing ice yeah, cream. Yeah, it's, it's all like sugared, uh, frozen content. You know, it's, it's delicious. There's no bad ice cream, you know? Just, just, just get the, 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 my gosh, the black cherry chocolate chip or whatever they call it. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. I like mixing. No, it, that sounds good. It is so good. All right, this Friday we take a look back at some of Keaton Slovis' interceptions. Uh, oh, wait, uh, Zach Wilson's touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Keaton, we're glad, we're glad you're here. I'm just kidding. Uh, noon Eastern, the play-by-replay. Zach Wilson, Kalani Stockton, Brady Christensen, and so on join the program. Noon Eastern, the play-by-replay from 2019 USA. Hey, when Keaton gets drafted, it'll be two NFL quarterbacks on the field against each other in that game, right? Yeah. And Jaron Hall uh, threw a pass to Zach Wilson in that game, so maybe three. (laughs) Indeed. Up next, speaking of the NFL, Cooper Cup, one of the greatest receivers in the league, has some very nice things to say about his new teammate Puka Nakua in L.A. We'll tell you exactly what he did say next. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. BYU Sports Nation's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps or listen to the pod, subscribe, rate, and review. If you've watched the show the past few days, you know that we have chosen and seeded what we believe are the top 16 wins all time in BYU football's 99 previous seasons. We need your help to decide the best overall win ever in history. Ever. From the Department of Redundancy Department. Department. It's irregardless. Each you day. Regardless. We present the matchup of the day, set up and set up why each win is up for debate as the potential best win, and then let you decide by voting on BYU Sports Nation's Twitter account. So before we roll out today's matchup, Jerem, we need to get to the results from yesterday in the 8-9 game. 83 Missouri game in the Holiday Bowl against the win over Utah in 2009, Hall to George. The one. And with 52% of the vote, the we don't know. The winner is... Oh, Missouri! The eight seed! The holiday Missouri bowl. moved on. Just this sneaks is a, past. I agree with this. This is proper. That's a huge win. Steve Young. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. It did not look good for the Missouri game early in the vote yesterday. Okay. It's time for our matchup of the day. That's a backwards pass. It's a trick play. Deep for Dye. He made the catch. Touchdown. Off to the races goes Canada. Hale and Louie, touchdown. BYU on top. You couldn't draw it up any better if you're BYU. 96 Kansas State, 97, whatever. 
versus 2018 Wisconsin. Okay, in the Cotton Bowl in 97, BYU's ranked fifth, Kansas State's 14th, first and only New Year's Day bowl game for mm. BYU. Cougars trailed 15 to five, weird score in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. Take that, Shane, Brian Kavanaugh. Brook had like 29 sacks, I swear. I think he literally had six in this six. game. Huge catch by Lou. He doesn't know how to celebrate without bobbling the ball. Sarkeesian lassoing over there. And then the interception by the electric blanket. Omar Morgan seals the win. Number one feeling like number one. All right, that's the five seed game. How about the 12 seed? A win at number six, Wisconsin in mm. 2018 at Camp Randall. This snapped a 40-plus game home non-conference win streak for the Badgers. It's unbelievable. Swally Canada outrushed Jonathan Taylor, That's who's a, still in the NFL with the Colts. 118 yards, two touchdowns for Squally. And it took a missed field goal from 42 yards away to seal the win for BYU 24-21. First road win over a top 10 team since BYU beat Pittsburgh in 1984. Does not happen often. Go vote on Twitter in a couple of minutes. We'll put this out and weigh in. You have about 23 hours to do so. I love this matchup. Awesome. 5-12. There, there's no 5-12 curse in this bracket, per se. No. No. <laughs> you decide. Although this 12 could win. You all, you all decide. I'm going Cotton Bowl on this one. Yeah. Our question of the day. What would a bounce-back season look like for Keaton Slovis as he comes in as a transfer at BYU quarterback? Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Dirk Palmer on Facebook who says, I'm looking for Slovis' best year yet in a system best suited to his talents. He hasn't had an offensive coordinator worthy of maximizing his talents since his freshman year at USC. Okay, then. All right. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Who should we give to, Jay? Good luck to the track and field teams at Outdoor Nationals, which begin in Austin, Texas today. Good luck, everyone. Our thanks to today's guest, Dan Horde, the voice of the Cincinnati Bearcat, Bearcats, and Dave Porter, longtime tennis coach. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Tyler Anderson. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's get to today's headlines. Track and field NCAA Outdoor National Championships begin in Austin. The number 14 men's team has 11 athletes competing in eight events. They begin today. The number 19 women's team has 11 athletes competing in seven events starting tomorrow. Good luck the next couple of days. It goes Wednesday through Saturday. Go get it. BYU men's basketball will host Evansville in Provo on December 5th. That via a report from college basketball insider Rocco Miller, which means BYU men's basketball now has nine reported or released preseason games out for public consumption, including San Diego State, Morgan State. BYU will face a combo of two out of the following three teams in the Vegas showdown, Arizona State, NC State, and or Vanderbilt. Then a game with Fresno State and Salt Lake City. Evansville, as we just reported, Georgia State at Utah and Denver don't have dates, but those games will happen. Yep, just four more reported or released to figure out. So hopefully in the next, I don't know, couple of weeks or whatnot, we'll uh, get the non-conference schedule. And then later the Big 12 schedule will come out. Women's volleyball non-conference schedule, speaking of, will be released Friday 
at 10 a.m. Eastern time. We already have the Big 12 schedule. We're waiting for the non-conference schedule. Heather Olmstead uh, teased us that a big-time opponent yeah. will be the season opener. Let's stay with the volleyball theme. Trent Mosier of Men's Volleyball and Team USA's U21 squad beat Guatemala in three sets. Solid sweep. The United States will play Cuba today at 4 Eastern. Those are today's headlines. Now we opinionate in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Kingsley Suomati and Connor Pei are among the top 10 returning offensive linemen in the Big 12 according to PFF grades. Mm. So who is BYU's second best offensive lineman? It's Connor Pei. Is Pei. it Connor Pei? It is Connor okay. Pei. Yeah. Yes, I'm putting my stock big time into Connor Pei. I think his versatility is nice, Jeremy. He has shown that over the years. He can play center. He could play a guard position. Frankly, if Connor was asked to play tackle, Jerem, I feel like he's good enough and experienced enough that he'd go out and like maneuver his way into a position. They're not going Spen to. Spencer. They're BYU not going only to. Only plays six eight guys at tackle. Okay. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. What's Connor? A measly like six three. I think he's only six five. Six five. Um, he's short. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Connor's the second best. I think it's Connor Pay. Um, I think we're hoping you know it's it's Paul Miley or Connor Pay or Caleb Etienne. Like there's some good. Real good players there. A reminder that Connor Pay had the top pass blocking grade among centers in college football last year, 91.4. Incredible. Incredible. That's pretty good. Yeah, you, you bring back be Kingsley higher. and Connor. That's a nice core to lead your offensive line. And Power Five transfers in. Absolutely. I love it. With ex tons of experience, no less. On Three Sports is reporting as of this morning that College Football Players Association is organizing ugh, a boycott of the 2024 EA Sports College Football video game set to be released because the payout for players is expected to be, quote, a ridiculously low amount of money. The number being reported is 500 a player. Jaron, what are your thoughts on this? 500 is a real low number. So let's say there's, uh, I don't know what numbers they're using, but is it 85 per team, just scholarship guys? There's 133 teams. Um, that would be 5.6 million in payouts. If it, if they do 120, like all the walk-ons, everybody, that's 7.9 mil. I think they're gonna make plenty of money. 500 feels kind of low to me, man. I, I by the way, we've been told that uh, NFL, NFL players, players get, get a, 20 to 25 thousand dollars for Madden. It's at worst a five-figure payout for yeah. the NFL players. Yeah. It feels low. I get it. I get it. If they boycott it. Can we up it to a couple of thousand? I love the game, I want the game. Game's but great. I get it. Yeah. They're gonna make so much money because it hasn't been around for a decade. Oh yeah, I might buy three copies just to have Come on, two up, up it to a, at least a thousand or a couple of thousand per play. Now we're talking 10 or 15 minutes. Whatever, that's a little cream off the top for get what the, they're gonna make. Get the Royce to pay for it. Cooper Cup called Puka Nakua a special player in a media breakout yesterday saying he's going to be a very good football player in the league. Is he being nice, or will Puka be more than a rostered wide receiver in the NFL? I don't think Cooper Cup would say something just to be nice. He does not strike me as that type of person or personality. He's a business guy. Like, Cooper Cup is the consummate professional. So I'm not buying into the, oh, he's just being a nice veteran saying something about Has he said this about Puka. everybody else? No, I don't think so. I don't right? think so. Yeah. No. Grant, I'm not watching press conferences. And the Rams, Rams are in need of some receivers to step up and take some of the pressure off of Cooper Cup. Have you seen the social media account for the Rams? They're all over Puka Nakua as big play Puka. They expect a lot from him. I think this is a genuine compliment and not something that just happened to be nice. Yeah, and this picture uh, perfectly captures his personality, by the way. This is yesterday. Um, <laughs> Puka's in the background. Wee! 
This yeah, is Puka, what he does. Listen, I said it before. If Puka had come to BYU originally and he had been healthy the whole time, we might be talking about him as the greatest receiver in BYU history. To me, that is Austin Colley and then Cody Hoffman. Puka is as special of a player as BYU has ever had. To me, he was more athletic uh, than Austin and Cody. Puka could have a tremendous NFL career. I'm very excited to watch him play twice a year against the Seahawks. Was there ever a time that the ball was thrown in Puka Nakua's direction, even if he's like double covered and you thought, uh, There's no way. No, you think, oh, there he's, was he's, a chance. he's probably gonna catch the ball. There was a And he chance. usually did. Yeah. Ask Baylor about it. Ask Boise State about it. Arkansas, <laughs> like the dude just made some, in some huge big games. plays yep. in meaningful games. Yep. Up next, we keep the show rolling on a Wednesday with the winningest coach in NCAA tennis history. Dave Porter is in Studio B to put a bow on his career of sorts. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. What a stop at the goal line. If they had video review, maybe that's it. Uh, BYU Sports Station On Demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps or listen to the pod, subscribe, rate, and review. We're on the path to determining the greatest BYU football win of all time in our BYU football best wins bracket. We are now four matchups in. We'll reveal that fourth matchup in just a moment, but not before we reveal the results from yesterday's 5-12 matchup between the no five seed... The 1996 BYU football team winning the Cotton Bowl on January 1st of 97 against Kansas State. And that game took on the 12 seed, which was 2018's win against number six, Wisconsin. Cotton Bowl should slay in this. And they did. Moving on into the second round with 82.3% of that vote is the win over Kansas State in the Cotton Bowl. There you go. Not a shocker there. It's time now for the matchup of the day. Score a touchdown for Brigham Young. Pulls it down and they give it to him. Touchdown. And the Cougars are right back in business. BYU swarms the field. They win it. Oh, baby. 2006 Utah's the four seed versus the 13 seed. 1984 Pitt. How does 06 Utah get beat in this entire competition? Maybe Miami, Miracle Bowl, and so on. Gonna be fun. 2006 Utah. A couple of notes. You was number 21 in this game. They lost four in a row against Utah. Oh, yeah. You always scored the first 14, then gave up 24 and answered. Retook the lead. Utah scores late. Just over a minute left. John Beck to Johnny Harleen, of course. Beck to Harleen, famous. Johnny Harleen over Eric Weddle. Bobbled that one. That was one of three. The second uh, touchdown catch of three for Johnny Harleen. Of course, John Beck finds his guy and finds Johnny Harleen as BYU locks up its first 10-win season since 01. We are in the lower left of the screen on this play. 33-31. Unbelievable. Hard to beat this. BYU went on to the Las Vegas Bowl where they embarrassed Oregon, which is also great. In 1984, (laughs) this is the season opener, the first college football game live on ESPN ever. Pretty cool. And BYU upset then number three Pittsburgh to begin the season, Locke, hey, Mookie, Locke! Showing some toughness right there. Get out the way. 
Robbie Bosco hit Adam Haysbert, brother of Dennis Haysbert, President Palmer from the show 24 and the yes. Allstate guy. Yes. Adam was the star here before yes, Dennis was. was. <laughs> nice. The game winner from Robbie Bosco, it launched BYU's national championship campaign. Love that game. You ain't holding a candle to 06 Utah, though. I'm sorry. It's the second highest ranked team that BYU's ever beaten behind only number one ranked Miami. Pretty good. Then number three, Pittsburgh. Let's yep. not talk about what Pittsburgh did the rest of the season. Whatever. 3 7. <laughs> <laughs> Go and vote. You help us determine the best win ever. All right. Our question of the day deals with international competition and playing in a bowl game, perhaps in Mexico, based on the Big 12 news. Our elite response of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated, comes from Nate Crowley on Twitter, who says, well, it wouldn't be for a huge crowd, but there's only one right answer for BYU in terms of an international bowl game. Mm. Tonga and or Samoa. Tonga Ooh, or Samoa. That would be fun. So much rich history in those islands alone. Absolutely. But especially for the BYU football family. Oh, yeah. I would love that. It's a great take. Today's Rise and Shout-Up presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Casey Klinger, all-timer, third in the 10K yesterday at Outdoor National, seven-time track All-American, four-time All-American in cross-country, School records in the outdoor 5K, indoor 3K, indoor 5K, indoor DMR. One of the best Woo! ever at BYU. What well a Well done, Casey. Our what thanks to today's guests, David Nixon and Dallin Schertz. Sorry to Dennis, ran out of time. For Jeremiah, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Matt Allen. We'll see you tomorrow for a BYU Sports Nation special. Go Cougs. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out today's headlines. This morning, the Big 12 announced the creation of Big 12 Mexico, an extension of the conference that will see men and women's basketball, women's soccer, and baseball games held in Mexico. Houston and Kansas will meet in December of 2024 in men's hoops in Mexico City specifically. The league is also exploring starting a bowl game in Monterey in 2026. The league is also working with Fox and ESPN to get the Big 12 into Spanish-speaking communities for select football and basketball games, including Spanish radio broadcasts starting next season of the Big 12 title in football and men's basketball. That This is a big move, and it's exciting to see the Big 12 going to Mexico, man. Absolutely. BYU, as they leave the West Coast Conference, they leave as victors of the WCC Commissioner's Cup once again. Tenth consecutive time that BYU's athletic department has won the WCC Commissioner's Cup and the Women's All Sports Award given to the top performing institution in the conference. Listen, never got that men's basketball championship, but gosh dang it, we got 10 WCC Commissioner's Cups in a row. Essentially, you're the best athletic department in the conference 10 straight years. I would hope so, Spencer. Track and field, three Cougars earned first team All-American honors on day one of the NCAA Championships in Austin. Led by Casey Klinger taking third in the 10K, his seventh first team All-American finish in the outdoor indoor track. Brandon Garnica placed 16th in the same race to be second team All-American. Pole vault, Caleb Witzkin took sixth. Cameron Bates took eighth in the javelin. Congrats to the 4x400 team set a new school record. They finished 17th. The women begin today led by Ashton Reiner-Lunt who looks to defend her national title in the javelin. Claire Seymour's ranked second in the 800. Sierra Tidwell Alfin is third in the high jump and Lexi Halliday-Lowry is sixth in the steeplechase. BYU women's basketball has promoted Josh Edwards to Director of Player Development. Last year, he was BYU's Director of Video and Strategy. He spent the last seven seasons as an assistant coach at College of Southern Idaho before coming to BYU in his current positions. Stop all signs Lily Owens, 5'9 infielder from Lehigh. That's uh, home of CJ McCollum, of course. And uh, Leah Ogbayani, a grad transfer from Cal, former Hawaii Gatorade Player of the Year. Her sister, Ilana, was uh, on the team this last year. 
Under volleyball, Trent Mosier and the Team USA under 21 squad fall to Cuba in five sets in the Pan Am Cup. They'll play again today. Mosier led the team with 25 kills. He had 441 in that five set loss. It's a monster performance. And the Cubs recalled Michael Rucker back up to the majors, where last night he retired three straight batters in the seventh, got out of a base blow to jam in the eighth for two scoreless innings and a 6-2 loss to the Halos. And in AAA, the Columbus Clippers, Daniel Schneeman had a hit and an RBI. Those are today's headlines. Now we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's opinionate, shall we? Yesterday, Messi announced he's headed to Inter-Miami of MLS. Ticket prices soared for his potential debut against Cruz Azul to the point where a ticket to that game was more expensive than the cheapest ticket to game three of the NBA Finals, also okay. in Miami. Which one, a game would you rather go to? The NBA Finals. 100%. I love Messi. <laughs> I can see Messi play in Salt Lake or at another regular season game. I don't have to be there for the first play regular season game. We're talking about the elite competition in worldwide professional basketball. There's no bigger tournament, if you will, than the NBA Finals. But to someone in Miami, Messi a bigger deal than the Finals right now. I, I would, if it's cheaper, oh man, take my money and let me go to the Finals in Miami in South Beach. There's a Finals ticket that's under a thousand? Under 500. You and I went to a Miami Heat game back in 2014 before the bowl game. That was fun, man. We had a good time. The BYU team did as well. We worked out better seats. <laughs> we did see sitting back in. 11th row. Yeah, that was fun. We did not pay $441, that's for sure. No, we did not. <laughs> Up next, BYU track and field. As Jerem just chronicled, doing some work in Austin, Texas. They look to continue their impressive performance at Nationals, led by Dallin Schertz, yeah. discus thrower. He's joining us next from Austin. This is BYU Sports Nation. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.